This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So small cap value stocks are in the news again. So we're going to talk about the small caps today. So I'm kind of changing direction a little bit off of what we've been talking about the last few weeks on the podcast. We're taking a break, let's say, from Benjamin Graham and his philosophies, although we are incorporating it anyways today because we are going to talk about these small cap value stocks. So they do continue to underperform the big cap growth. So there's nothing new in that part of the story. But suddenly they are basically back in the news because Dr. Michael Burry has been giving interviews about um, what he's investing in. And he's been talking about how uh, passive investing is a bubble, according to him, and that he really likes small cap value stocks right here. So I'm not going to talk about his argument about the bubble and passive investing, but I do want to talk about what he's doing in small cap value because um, I agree with him. There is a lot going on in the small cap value, and it's basically being ignored by everyone on Wall Street because it's small caps and its value, and both have been out of favor for several years now. So who is Michael Burry? If you don't know him, um, he is a doctor. That's why I called him a doctor. He went to Vanderbilt Medical School, but while he was um, doing the whole medical thing, he became interested in investing in personal finance. And that was in like the 1990s when a lot of people were on various chat boards. So he was one of the well-known um, investors on some of the uh, stock chat boards back in the day in, in the 1990s before social media. And so he ended up starting his own hedge fund in 2000 called Scion Capital. And then by the time of the mid 2000s, like 2005 or so, he was one of the few that was focused on the subprime mortgages and that uh, there was a bubble that was going to blow up. And he took a big counter um, investment in the mortgage market, basically. And he basically was uh, memorialized, let's put it that way, and got famous because Michael Lewis... Um, put him in his book Moneyball, and then he was played by Christian Bale in the movie version. So if you've seen that movie, you know who I'm talking about. He actually, I believe, gave up investing for a while, and he was doing other stuff, but it sounds like, obviously, he's back into it, and he is, again, running a fund, and he's looking at value stocks, although he he does say, again, um, that in addition to U.S. value stocks, he really likes the Japanese small caps as well, those value Japanese companies. And I'm not going to cover those on the podcast today either because that's that's just going to be too hard for me <laughs> to drill down and try to find some Japanese small caps that are actually traded on U.S. exchanges. I'm sure there's some, but um, I'm going to leave that up to him and the hedge fund managers to find out those. But you know, his interest in foreign small cap value stocks is actually reminds me a lot of what a uh, much younger Warren Buffett used to do when he was first investing over in Asia, um, as well as a, a couple others where there's just been these periods of great values going on over in Asia. So that's 
a topic for another podcast, I'm afraid. But um, like I said, Burry is in some of the U.S. names, and he's talked about a couple of them. He was in or is in Tailored Brands, which is TLRD is that ticker. That's the Joseph A. Banks, the new reincarnation of that. And it pays this huge dividend, which is like 14% right now because it's really been beaten down. And um, so he has been saying he would like them to cut the dividend but do more share buybacks. But that's one of the names he's in. He's also in GameStop, which we've talked about here many times on the podcast. GME is the ticker there. And we all kind of know the scenario with GameStop. But he says he's finding value in there. And the new consoles that are going to be coming out from PlayStation and Nintendo are going to include like the disc version. You still will be able to buy the games and not just, you know, stream them in or whatever on the new versions, apparently. So he's talked about that. But um, we've talked about GameStop many times as being like a value trap. And I did not look at it this time because I wanted to find newer Uh, small cap value names that have the good ranks and that are cheap. So how did I do that? Because small cap value is kind of hard to find and hold because there's just less information on these companies. And it's, you know, there's just less info. The company themselves might only release the quarterly reports and then not talk at all during the quarter. So there's not a lot of, you know, press releases or anything about what some of these companies are doing. And then there's fewer analysts on them as well. So a lot of these that I'm going to cover today are have just one analyst on it, although not all of them. So that's also was interesting to me to see how many analysts are covering some of these. So I screened for a basic small cap value, which I used Um, to mean market cap under a billion. And I know some people go up to even 2 billion for their small caps, but I wanted it to be pretty small. So I went under the billion and then I did PE under 10 instead of my usual 15 because I I wanted to get real cheap here. If we're going to get small cap value um, when it's really out of favor, then I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get real cheap. So under 10. And then I threw in the Zach's rank of one or twos because I want to hopefully get rising earnings estimates in there. And that's hopefully what I should get if I have the number one strong buys or the number two buys. So I ran this screen and I got 57 companies. So that's pretty many, actually. I was kind of surprised I got that many. But then I thought, well, how do I get it down to more workable number? And I thought, what if I added a dividend? Because I noticed with Taylor Brands and, um, you know, that pays that huge dividend that Michael Burry is in and GameStop used to pay a dividend. I'm not sure if they're still doing that, but they used to for many years. And then I thought, what if I added a dividend to a small cap? Because it's not easy for any company to pay a dividend and do one consistently. But a small cap, a smaller company that's doing it tells me that management, you know, kind of has its handle on something if they have the ability to pay a dividend and so they have good cash flow. So I added a five-year a five-year dividend yield over 1% and I got 22 stocks. But I felt like that totally wasn't good enough either and I wanted it down even more narrow. So I added this uh, feature, this um, criteria called five-year historical growth of the dividend yield, basically. And that I did over 10. So I 
that was like 10% growth. So it was giving me, you know, one, they have a track record of paying the dividend and they're growing the dividend. So I like both of those things too, right? Who wouldn't? And I got eight stocks when I did that. So um, it's pretty narrow, this this screen, but some of them were kind of interesting. So let's cover five of them. And the reason I'm not covering all eight is because a couple were so small, like they were barely even trading <laughs> or something else kind of not so great for everybody is was happening, like in terms of the volume, trading volumes, and um, even like the number of analysts on it and things like that. So I narrowed it down to five out of the eight. And some of these are pretty small as well, but at least, you know, it, it they do have some volume, some trading volume. So let's start with a company called X. Corp. Now, I'm probably saying that wrong because you know how bad I am at the names, but it's X-P-E-R-I, and the ticker is X-P-E-R. So Corp is the name, I think. And this one is one of the bigger ones. It has a market cap of $918 million, so almost at that billion mark. But um, they're really cheap, trading with a PE of just 6.7, and their dividend yield is nice. It's at 4.4% right now. So what is it they do? So this is going to be an interesting one, as you might imagine, with the first letter of their name being an X, right? So you know it's kind of some tech thing, probably, which is what it is. So off their website, they said they create innovative technology solutions. So these solutions are licensed by hundreds of leading partners in premium auto, broadcast, uh, mobile computer, and then they list a whole bunch of other kind of tech areas. So I don't know if that helps you, but I looked at their website for a long time to try to figure it out. Um, but they saw in the second quarter, it was strong. They saw strong cash flow and they still saw solid performance in their auto segment. And the cash flow was so strong, they ended up paying off $50 million of their debt also in the quarter. So now they have $394 million of uh, debt left. So in addition to paying that dividend, they are actually paying off this debt, which I like a lot. They have 25 global locations. So they're um, you know worldwide, which I also like. So I took a look at those estimates. We only have one estimate in, so one analyst on this company. And they are expected in 2019 to make $2.74, but they did make $3.12 last year. So that is a decline of 12.2%. So you might be saying, oh, Tracy, that sounds like a little bit of a value trap there. And it does have a little bit of value trap uh, characteristics here. 2020, we're seeing another decline um, of down to $2.51 from the $2.74 expected this year. So that's another decline of 8.4%. But like I said, these shares are pretty darn cheap with the PE of just 6.7. So um, I'm, I'd am i be watching these estimates. We only have one analyst. So again, there's like really no consensus because it's just this one person deciding <laughs> what they're going to be doing um, for their estimates here. So this is one just to kind of maybe keep on your list, check it out, uh, maybe follow it on StockTwits, see what's going on. But that's Corp. X-P-E-R. Okay, then we're going to switch it over to Matthews International Corp. This is ticker M-A-T-W. 
Um, now let me see. So they're on one of the bigger side too. So they have a market cap of nine hundred and twenty-five million, and we just have one estimate in for these guys as well. Uh, so what do they do? Because Matthews doesn't really tell me anything, right? Um, so they have three segments. The first one is called SGK Brand Solutions. So this is brand development, deployment, and delivery. The second sec- segment is called memorializ- memorialization. It's a long word. And that is what you might think. It's memorials, caskets, and cremation equipment, but mainly selling to cemeteries and funeral homes. I know, kind of strange segments here. And then the third segment is called industrial technologies. And what that one does is it designs, makes, and distributes marking, coding, and industrial automation technologies. (laughs) This is off their website as well. So they have kind of three really different, distinct segments. The two largest are the SGK brand solutions and the memorialization. And then a much smaller is the industrial technologies. Now, in the last quarter, I took a look to see kind of what was going on. All three segments did see sales decline, Um, SGK lost a significant brand client account, and they're also seeing slower customer orders amidst slower U.S. conditions. Memorialization actually fell due to a decline in casketed deaths, they said, but they did see sales of cremation equipment move higher. Industrial technologies, again, the smallest segment saw sales lower due to delays in customer orders in warehouse automation. So again, this is one of those companies, there's always these kind of companies that have like very uh, unusual uh, segments that are all in the same company. You have to decide on your own whether or not you like owning those kinds of companies. It's kind of like a conglomerate, but on a smaller scale, basically. Um, so they may not be as focused management on you know one thing. Obviously, they're not. They're focused on three different types of businesses here. So, but the good news is is that they're cheap here. They have a PE of just eight. And they pay a dividend of 2.7%. And they're also repurchasing shares in a repurchasing program. So very shareholder friendly here for a small cap. Now, these shares are now near their 52-week low. They're down 28% year to date. And they're at multi-year lows, really, if you look at that chart. So you can see why they're cheap. Now, as far as the estimates, so for fiscal 2019, these are on the decline a bit now, too. Expected to make $3.00. 60 cents versus 396 last year. So that's down 9%. And then a little bit of a rebound for fiscal 2020 back up to 368. So that's up 2.2%. But there's only one estimate, as I said. So it's just one analyst deciding what's going on with these estimates as well. But um, this is kind of interesting company in terms of its different segments. And as I said, it's shareholder friendly here. So that's Matthews International, M-A-T-W. Okay, then switching off to the third company, this is in a totally different area because it's a REIT and REITs have been hot. So unlike Matthews, this company, which is called Great Ajax, A-J-A-X, and the ticker is A-J-X, 
This one is near its 52-week high right now because the REITs are hot. So what kind of REIT is it? So they acquire and manage a portfolio of mortgage loans, which are secured by single-family homes and commercial properties, and to a lesser extent, non-performing loans. So this is off their website. And they started the business in 2014, so after the craziness of the financial crisis. Uh, So... What's going on here? If these shares are near 52-week high, how could they be so cheap? They are pretty cheap. They have a P of 9.5 right now, and um, they're up 26.7% year-to-date now. But they're very small, market cap of just $305 million. So this is what we were looking for, right? But because they're a REIT and they're paying out uh, everything that they're getting in, mostly, they are, have a big dividend yield. It's 8.8% right here. So what do those earnings look like? We do have two estimates on this company, so that's a little bit better. And 2019 expected to be up 8.9%. So supposed to make $1.59 versus $1.46 last year. And then a nice, another little uh, gain in 2020, another 8.5% up to $1.73. So that's not so bad. Earnings growth here. And we get the big dividend. And now the shares are near 52-week high. So if you're looking around for some REITs, this might be one to put on your list. Okay, then I'm going to switch over to two smaller banks. Now, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that some banks were on this list because some small banks do pay consistent dividends. And so they would fit in with the dividend criteria I put on here. And then the banks are just cheaper because uh, they haven't been doing that great, basically, (laughs) the last couple of years, especially the small cap banks. So the first one is First Business Financial Services, and it's ticker FBIZ. So they're in Madison, Wisconsin, and They um, focus on businesses, executives, and high net worth individuals. So they're holding company for those areas. We do have three estimates on this one. So some analysts are interested maybe in this segment of banking, which is a little different than your just normal mom and pop bank down the street, since they're focusing on these high net worth people and business side. So they have a market cap of just $188 So this is pretty darn small. Their trading volume is also really small, just 14 thousand shares a day. So it's nobody's talking about it. Nobody's really in it. But they are cheap with a PE of 8.7 right now. And dividend is 2.7%. So that's pretty nice. Um, they did have record quarterly results last quarter with strong loan and deposits, and they saw strong fee income. So there's all of these things going on. And in addition to the dividend, they are doing a share repurchase program, and they have about $100,000 left in that share repurchase. So all these things are really nice for the shareholders. Those earnings actually are looking pretty good here, too. For 2019, they're expected to be up 30 to $2.53 versus $1.86 a year ago. And then a slight decline after those hot numbers for 2020, down 9% for 2020, down to $2.30. So um, this is kind of an interesting one of the smaller banks. And I like the banks in general, even with the yields, the treasuries where they are at. A lot of them have pretty good management now after the financial crisis. Um, you know, a lot of different focus was put on the banks and the health of the banks and what they're doing with their loans and credit issues. 
So this is one, if you're looking for that, the high net worth and the business side of a bank to keep on your list, and that's First Business Financial Services, FBIZ was that ticker. And then we're going to switch over to just kind of a regular bank. And this one is also here in the Midwest, and it's Midwest One Financial Group. And that ticker is MOFG. They are the parent of Midwest One Bank. You might have seen it if you are in Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Florida, or Colorado. So kind of an interesting mix of states that they have branches in. They have 44 offices. They have a market cap of 452 million. So they're not super small. They're not totally a community bank. I've seen some of those as small as only like 50 million market caps. So this is 452 million. They um, are paying a dividend of 2.8%. So I like that. That's pretty nice. And they have a PE of 9.1. So that's pretty cheap as well. So what are those earnings looking like? Pretty decent again for them. In 2019, expected to be up 20%. So 307 versus 254 they made last year. And then up another 5% in 2020. So this, this bank is like one of the first ones where not expected to see a decline in 2020 out of these five that I'm covering and not a value trap here. Now it does trade on the really low volume of just 29,000 shares, you know, similar to FBiz that I just talked about, but that's even less at 14,000 shares a day. So um, pretty low volumes with these, nobody's really paying any attention. And year to date, these Shares are up 12.5%, so that is under what the S&P 500 is now doing, which I think is about um, 15 or 16% year-to-date, I think. So they are underperforming, as we know that the banks are doing right now. Even the big banks are underperforming. So um, this is a chance to kind of look around at the banks, but it's so hard to do individually because there is a lot more risk, obviously, in just buying one of the smaller banks and, um, you know, holding on to those. That's why I do like the bank ETFs. I kind of took a look at some of those and there is a community one and that ticker is QABA. I've talked about it before, but they really are like the bigger regional banks in this ETF. And um, so you have to have a market cap above 200 million to even get in this ETF. So that would exclude the um, the first business financial services, which is only one. 188 million. So that one would not even be allowed to be in this ETF. So, but it's hard. And I'm going to do another podcast on, I think, on some of these bank ETFs and things that are going on in some of these value niche areas where it's really hard to buy the individual stocks because you need to own a bunch of them to take away some of the risk there. And with the banks, um, it's kind of, you know, there's there's just hundreds of them, basically. <laughs> and unless you actually bank at one of these smaller banks and like know it well somehow because it's in your community, then it's really hard to get information or know kind of what's going on with them. So an ETF might make some sense. But I did look at that QABA, just year-to-date performance. It's up only 4% year-to-date. So that's really underperforming. And two years, it's actually down 4% versus the S&P, which is up 19%. So you can see now why everybody's just buying the big cap stocks, right? Because small caps and then even small cap 
niche areas like banks um, are really just underperforming here. But as we know, as value investors, that means someday their time will come and things will turn back into their favor. And that's when we might want to be in them. So we want to get into value stocks and small cap or large cap as cheaply as we can, because it might be a while until the market figures out or starts to turn back to the trend of value over growth, which it's not doing right now. It's still growth as the winners. But eventually, it will go back into the other cycle of value outperforming. And so it's key, the key always with value is to get as cheaply as you can. And so, so there's some interesting things going on with the small cap value stocks. Now, this was a very narrow uh, screen, like I said, and I included this dividend component, which you don't have to do with value stocks. But if I'm going to own it and hold it for quite a considerable amount of time, then it might help. And I do feel like it would help me to have some kind of dividend to reward my patients. So there are some small cap dividend payers out there and ones that have decent Zach's ranks of ones or twos and that, um, you know, have some analyst coverage. So let's recap those tickers again that I covered here. So we had Xperi, I know I'm saying it wrong, X-P-E-R, and then we had Matthews International, M-A-T-W, that's the one with the three different segments. Then we had Great Ajax, the REIT, A-J-X is the ticker there. Then we had our two smaller banks, First Business Financial Services, F-B-I-Z, and then Midwest One Financial Group, M-O-F-G. So keep those things in mind while you are looking at the small caps because it is takes a lot of guts to get in them. So um, that's why everybody's interested in what uh, Michael Burry is in because they want ideas, right? You don't necessarily see small cap value stocks just kind of thrown out there as like, hey, these are the ones I'm interested in or here's the things I'm looking at. So that's always um, something good. And as we know, Warren Buffett really can't buy many of the small caps anymore. So it's good to see other uh, value investors who do still also invest under the Benjamin Graham type of mantle buying into the small caps. So maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign we might see some turn here soon in some of these small cap value stocks. So keep that in mind as you are doing your own investing and be sure to subscribe here at the Value Investor Podcast because there's still a lot of more episodes to go on the Intelligent Investor and some more tips from Benjamin Graham himself. And I'll be covering all of that and more on the value stock scene. So be sure to subscribe. We are now on Spotify. You can get The Value Investor there as a standalone show. Also on Apple Podcasts as a standalone. Or you can get two for one on the um, SoundCloud. But you have to get us under the market edge. So yeah, you're going to have to get two shows over there um, with stocks. But uh, both shows have something to offer. So so you might want to get us on SoundCloud, but anywhere you get us, be sure to subscribe and I'll be back again next week with some more value stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.